catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. In a population that is mainly useful, mobile first, and one which has quite a considerable percentage who have little or no access to affordable banking services, digital or challenger banks are fast becoming a thing across Africa. From low to no banking service fees, better interest rates, better budgeting features, and generally ease of use, digital banking seems to be slowly becoming a trend, especially among the youthful population on the continent. Many predictions have been made about how banks are now and what they would look like in the year 2025, the year 2030. Would we still need banks as they are now in the nearest future? Nigeria's Ndubuisi Ekekwe on the 10th of August 2021 made some predictions about the future of banking in a LinkedIn post. To him, either one of the two predictions would happen. If the NIN in Nigeria replaces the BVN, digital banks can bank the unbanked and unleash their full potential. And if the first doesn't happen, then digital banks will start to buy up traditional banks. This is a discussion that we're having today. The co-founder of Prosper, Choma Ugo, and the founder of Glade, Lee Victor, will be discussing the future of banking. Note that Prosper and Glade are both digital banks in Nigeria. Lee, how are you doing? Good morning. Good morning, Anthony. Actually, I'm glad to be here. Very good weather today, by the way. Thank you for having me. Knowing that change is constant, I'd rather ask if we should be talking about digital banking or digital transformation of banks. And for the sake of clarity, is there really any difference in these terms? Should we be talking about digital banking or should we be talking about digital transformation of the banks that we already have? All right, great. Thank you, Anthony. Let me just go with the first question about uh, we'll still need banks as the IMA engineers future. Actually, for me, I think I have a simple answer. Yes, we're still going to be in a bank. However, I just believe their operation, a model of operation is going to change. It will be moving towards data as well. But of course, we're going to have them. We've seen that in the like of uh, JP Morgan's and also the rest of our other countries, right? So the question about, should we be talking about data banking or data banking transformation? I think the question, right, is more similar. Because, for example, I think if you're talking about digital transformation, for example, what it really means is to have banks unlock speed and innovation of banking services, while they also address regulatory compliance, security issue, and also resiliency requirement for both their operation and also their customers, right? So now also, I also find out okay, digital transformation, what really help banks to do is to really understand what people actually want that is a customer, target customer, what they really want, so they can build financial services, right? Also offering according to customer needs, rather than just the guesswork. And I also believe that new innovative technology allow banks to strengthen customer engagement with personalized banking offering as well. So talking about the data banking as well, while it may be used in many different ways, you know, many different terms, just the engagement of online elsewhere, but the time of digital banking, to me, essentially just mean of the combine of online and also mobile banking service under one umbrella to just make available for banking services digitally, either mobile app also on the internet platform. Chamaogo, welcome. Thank you for, very much, Tony, for having me. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm good. As Lee said, the weather is quite clement today. So Lee just gave his thoughts on this. What do you think about this, Choma? Digital banking or digital transformation of banks? Uh, banks will change. 
Nigeria has one of the youngest populations in the world. Technology has changed the way people handle their financial affairs. People's relationships with traditional banks are changing and traditional banks are in turn adapting. Um, I think we're revolutionising banking and what it means to actually be called a bank in this day and age. And people are already demanding more from banks in the future. Banks will be a lot more than just a place to deposit and withdraw money. Um, I think what we're looking at now is a digital transformation of banks anyway. Um, that's happening as we speak. And in 10 to 20 years time, do you think we would move to digital banking or still be going through Not this process? I, I think 10 to 20 years, I think a lot more people utilizing digital banks, right? I think that people will always like a physical presence, right? So we'll always have traditional, you know, uh, bricks and mortar banks. There will definitely be a lot more people utilizing digital banks. But like I said, that will look very different from what it does now. So a Nigerian innovator, a lot of people on LinkedIn already know him. Ndubwisi Akekwe predicted two things that are bound to happen in the future of banking in Nigeria. You know, one, if the NIN in Nigeria places BVN digital banks can bank the unbanked and, you know, unleash the full potential. And two, if the first doesn't happen, digital banks will start, you know, buying on traditional banks. Chema, do you think that if the NIN replaces the BVN, digital banks will, you know, be able to fully unleash their potential? It's easier to register for an in than it is for a BVN. There are millions of Nigerians who don't have access to physical banks. They do to a phone. Um, NIN is being pushed aggressively. And according to NIMC, over 54 million people had already registered for, you know, um, NIN as of May last year. 2021. So yeah, if NIN does replace BVN, then there is a potential to really, you know, bank a lot of the unbanked. And I think the full power of digital banking can be unleashed. The payment and Pan-African payment and settlement system just launched recently. And this is talking about the AFCFTA concerning regulations on the continent. Can the AFCFTA in any way help you know, to solve the multiple regulatory framework challenge on the continent and what will be the effects and the implications of this if and when it happens. Let's start with Lee. All right. The AFCFTA, to me, honestly, is a very valuable initiative because it aims to bring together the continent-wide trade, uh, free trade to about 1.5 billion people in an estimated 3.4 trillion economy. This will be the largest free trade it has since the establishment of World Trade Organization, isn't it? But uh, the challenge still remains this. We still have a lot of the quarrels, right? The rail links, political unrest, different regulatory framework, excessive borders, the bureaucracy, corruption, all this will not just disappear overnight. However, when you talk now the opportunity, you will also highlight the challenges. I believe the African continental free trade area will serve as a framework for the regional economic growth because it will help usher the kind of reforms necessary to enhance long-term growth, which is, of course, to reduce poverty and also broaden economic inclusion within the African continent. So presently, we have about 41 countries, isn't it, out of the 54 members of these countries have submitted things like tariff reduction to enhance trade economy grow within the continent, which to me, I believe it will help the continent to be a power block in the near future if this is sustained. But the issue is, can it be sustained? So however, if it is sustained, something that, of course, it is going to help the continent even beyond the continent. However, when you talk about the economic integration, it's not an event. To me, I believe it's a process. Let's just hear it to roll out. But there's a lot of potential in that place, of course. Okay. And this one came in from someone who was interested in this discussion uh, before now and had to just add it to this. How viable is digital banking in Nigeria? 
Yeah, okay, thank you. Actually, digital banking is very viable uh, in Nigeria because what's in digital banking as a financial solution, including inclusion, right? One thing digital banking also is going to do, digital banking business model as customer, they will become more engaged sign up, just like Gemma explained earlier, including a lot of offerings and also other features. So there's going to be a lot of engagement and sign up for additional product revenue per customer can increase. And also by following a similar path, they can expect higher revenue up to as much as about 1,000, I think, per customer. Given the ability of digital bank to capitalize on existing brand recognition, also given this ability for them to be to capitalize on brand recognition and trust, we also believe mass affluent customer, in particular present and future opportunity for digital bank. And as well, the digital banking landscape remains competitive today, Anthony, right? With a variety of competitors able to differentiate themselves with attractive and profitable offering. To succeed in digital banking space, digital banks actually believe we need to focus on fostering growth through engagement, expanding beyond deposit, but as well to also provide other offering, guiding customer to a financial world, appealing to the rising social conscience of Gen Z, for example, and playing for the long-term profitability. To answer your question, of course, is going to be very profitable as long as we play the game right. Now, um, Choma, the AFCFTA promises to solve multiple regulatory framework challenges, and this also includes, you know, these challenges in the banking sector. The Pan-African Payments and Settlement System just launched. What effects and implications will the promises of the AFCFTA have on the future of bank services in Nigeria and Africa, you know, by extension? Well, Tony, the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement will create the largest free trade area in the world, right? So that's exciting. And, you know, payment is the lifeblood of trade. Um, so it will definitely have an effect or multiple effects on the future of banking, that's for sure. There's definitely going to be an increased demand for FX. Um, there's going to be a lot of fintech companies and traditional banks actually launching into new markets. A lot of informal businesses will formalise. I can see this happening. Um, and they will definitely use fintech companies. I think there'll be a greater demand on banks in terms of the services that they offer to entrepreneurs besides just, you know, payments. Women account for around 70% of informal cross-border traders in Africa, and there's a lot of risks for women in this space. Can banks step in and de-risk trade for women? And what would that look like in real terms, for example? Um, you know, how can selling and marketing be made easier and more cost-effective? Can this be facilitated by the bank, perhaps? Logistics, you know, can banks both digital and traditional play a part in the movement of goods? I think these are some of the things that we can consider, you know, when we talk about the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, you know, and how it's going to impact banking services in Africa. So I can count about five effectively that will happen if and when this happens. First thing basically is going to be positive economic outcome, which will be many. For example, it's going to create a lot of diversifying exports to accelerate growth competitively into Greater into the global economy, increasing foreign direct investment, and also it will help increasing employment opportunities and incomes and broaden the economic inclusion as well. These are just a few things I believe the FTA can bring. So the second thing also, which I believe can bring, is also it will bring potential to reduce poverty. According to the recent World Bank report, the AFCTA will boost regional income by 7% and also up to over 450 billion, according to that research, right? and uh, speed up wage growth for women and leave up to 30 million people out of extreme poverty by 2035. And also it's going to increase wage for both skilled and unskilled workers, which will also boost by 10.5 to 10.3, 10.5 
for unskilled workers and 9.8% for unskilled for skilled workers as well. So the tough thing I also believe them to do is also to give our traders time to gain. For example, ACT clearly focuses on improving the life of Africans, right? According to the Economic Commission of Africa, small businesses account for about 70% of informal cross-border traders trading in Africa. Through such work, traders can be able to when, if and when the AFC FTA is fully implemented, I believe it is going to help because presently, final okay, traders have been very vulnerable to harassment within the borders. Actually, I experienced some some few months ago, violent confiscation of goods, even imprisonment, tariff reduction under the AFCT. Of course, we enable informal traders to operate through formal channels, bringing better protection. Furthermore, a green manufacturing sector will provide new job opportunities. This are my belief. I also believe it also brings integrity into the continent, which will offer opportunity to promote good governance, both globally and across Africa, especially through the concept of trade integrity, something called trade integrity through one of the others, which is defined as international trade transaction that legitimates and also finally they are very transparent and properly priced. As a way, this ensures that the existence of this global trading system is very protected and also the prevalence of illegality procure or produce goods. For example, illegally mining that is going on around the world, especially we have one in my state, KUK, and also we have one in Zofara. Illegally mining, fishing across the regional borders of the waterway, or good resulting from child or forced labor. And also you find out things like misinformed trade transaction, i.e. the trade fraud and lack of transparency. In most of these free trade zones, strip government of revenue which, of course, the government needed now more than ever to be able to assist to boost this economy after the COVID issue. And what things also to help is also to be able to help this labor to have a standardized life living and also to have access to human rights to be able to also grow and facilitate transaction across the border. So honestly, since when the release of this ASC FTA, I have written a lot of research about it to be able to see. And also the one thing I believe is going to really help the cross-border transaction within this continent more effectively, if and when it is implemented. Remember, I keep saying if and when it is implemented. This is one of the challenges we have in this part of the world. But of course, when it's implemented, it really helps a lot of the cross-border transaction. How much collaboration should we see between traditional and challenger banks? And how much collaboration is needed to solve the multiple challenges that the people themselves are seeing and witnessing leading? Yeah, I remember about three years ago, there's a lot of uh, this little bit breakthrough within the Mozart and Brick um, traditional bank and also the challenger banks, right? Because they do not want to really give the appropriate support partner with the challenger bank. But I think they now realize that the game is changing. And also the challenger bank have more access to customer, meaning they can be able to understand the pain point of this customer more and also they can be able to build faster. And one of the challenges we also have with this um, uh, traditional bank as a den is because they're seeing the challenges more as their competitors instead of uh, partners in progress, right? So, but things has begun to change within two years ago, which I noticed, okay, there's a lot of collaboration coming within these two players in the market because one thing the traditional uh, banks have is maybe the license, also the regulatory framework, which has become very tedious for the challenger to be able to get easily. 
However, with the framework that's currently available, when this partnership is being solidified, when you find out, okay, maybe probably a traditional bank have a solid partnership with a challenger, basically both businesses or let's say both players win. So I've noticed a lot of changes within two to one years down the lane. And then, of course, a lot of partnership are forming, all those issues of breaking up ready stock. So the partnership within these two players is going to mean a lot of growth for these players and also mean a lot of growth for the consumers as well. We heard a lot about telcos merging with banks or converging with banks. Should we in the future expect something close to a super app, maybe a situation where we have a supermarket, office, insurance, investment, everything all fused into one platform with little or no restrictions whatsoever? Lee? Actually, it's very interesting you mentioned Telcos, Antonio, right? I remember when these banks started getting the service payment license from the CBN, right? So I tweeted something that time and I remember I said, look, guys, please, what we just need from you guys is to at least provide 40% of what this payment platform that are providing in Kenya. Mpisa. Sorry, let Mpisa. me Mpisa, thank you so much. Yeah. So because when you go part of the Afri- uh, East African, right, finally, okay, is more like daily life living expectancy of those people. When you want to pay an Uber guy, you use the MPSL because why it's easier. So you don't need internet. All you just need to do is to take your mobile phone, you do SSD and you pay the guy. You want to pay for food, it's MPSL. You are inside the train, it's MPSL, right? You are inside the supermarket, it's MPSL. Everything basically, almost over 90, 96% according to their data transaction in the especially Kenya, is being done by the MPSA. So now coming back to Nigeria, I believe that they know what is happening in that place because it's more easier for people to be able to do that transaction using what's in a feature phone than, of course, having access to the internet. So when they decide to implement that based on the license they have, it's really propeller a lot of usage and also they'll be able to reach more customers than even the digital bank they need to reach. However, I want to also expect from this, just like Empesa in East Africa today, is to be able to also foster a relationship within the other players so that in the areas they cannot innovate, right? The digital banks and also other challengers bank can be able to also innovate, leveraging on these existing infrastructures to provide more financial services to these consumers. But it's going to be very interesting. I just hope we'll be able to do something with this infrastructure. These guys have already made foundation about 10 to 15 years ago. Very interesting. I would be waiting and I'd be watching the space very, very closely. Uh, final one. Honestly, I, yeah? Anthony, I, you know something? It's very, very interesting, right? Because imagine everything you do. I remember I, I wasn't using my internet phone. I was just using just SMS, pay everything. I use cash like three times in the whole of my stay in East Africa. Wow. So everything was just done by the MPSA. So I know that people like, uh, what's the company, organization like Airtel are also there. And also probably this guy do have more focus on South Africans country. But I believe that the most is what is happening because it, it makes life easier, right? But one thing that should also be able to do so that not just the Nigerian, the West African can also be able to explain that, that accelerated growth is to provide that partnership framework and probably to make the API for all the challenger banks to jump in and create solutions that they will not be able to create. Hmm. Okay. So this actually ties to, you know, you know the AFCFT kind of providing the playing ground for that. All these partnerships actually happen and for the whole of Africa to be connected, um, you know, and receive banking services that are, you know, without borders. 
looking at this year, right, what trends in the digital banking space would you predict? Honestly, one thing I've been looking out for basically is still the BNPL, right? I believe it's going any of the players in that sector that play it well. Is going to be massive. Yeah, for those right. for those who for those who are listening and do not understand what what you said just means, could you like explain oh, it? <laughs> sorry, oh, oh sorry about that. Yeah, here is the issue that okay, you buy now and also pay later. For example, mm-hmm. you go to let me say, make it simple, go to shop right. Mm-hmm. Then you want to buy a fridge right or a refrigerator, for example. Then you pay them thirty percent, isn't it? So there's an organization, maybe a fintech platform within this transaction that help you pay the rest, then later, of course, your account will be debited for you to be able to pay the amount later. So you don't need to have the whole of the money for you to be able to have access to the things that you need to enjoy life, right? So it's more like a take a credit upfront, which you can be able to have access to that good of services and also be able to pay later. I believe uh, that's what it is. So um, so it, it's very interesting uh, space, right? I've been watching that and to see for the player that's going to play it very well, uh, it's going to be massive. And because there's a lot of way for this BNPL, you know just about take the cash. They can also be okay, take the goods even for the businesses. Okay, to supply the goods later, you pay me back so I can be able to supply your customers. So this is something I believe is going to also be massive. And of course, trust in the financial services and digital banks are also going to lag behind. It's going to be interesting here yeah, because a lot of businesses right there are trying to also watch what the AFC, TFE are also doing to also to capitalize on that, to be able to move their services from where they are now to also to other regions across Africa. Thank you very much, Lee and Choma. The idea of a super app, um, an app where you have like a supermarket, office, insurance, investment, access to almost everything fused into one platform with little or no restriction. Is this something you see happening in the foreseeable future? Um, I'd say perhaps so. Um, like I said, the expectation from a lot of financial services, banks, digital banks, um, from customers is changing. I think a lot more people want a lot more from the banks. Um, people are not, I guess, just comfortable with, you know, just being able to deposit and withdraw. So I, I would say perhaps in the future, we might see something that resembles um, what you've just described. Maybe not exactly, but we'll definitely see more super apps. Okay, and uh, finally, before we go off, Lee said um, buy now, pay later is a trend or something he sees in the banking space that would be big in this year, 2022. Do you have um, any predictions on maybe trends that would really be big in digital banking space this year? Not any that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. Okay, beautiful. Thank you very much, Shoma Ugo, the co-founder of Prosper, and Lee Victor, the founder of Glade. We've been discussing the future of banking and what banks would look like in the foreseeable future. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.